0: Hi everyone, welcome back. Um, we're Asiatic Affairs. I'm Angela, and this is National Asia Podcast. We're back again uh, on our part two of Three Hong Kongers on a Sofa. You, me, and we. Um, so, but before we launch into the more of the interesting stuff, and we all know that you love the interesting stuff, and um, we just want to let everyone know about Asiatic Affairs, who we are, and what we do. So, we're Asiatic Affairs a new UCL society looking to create a platform for students of all backgrounds and all disciplines to engage in open, constructive discussion on issues in Asia. Um, from geopolitics to business, the environment and technology, we aim to raise awareness and increase engagement with issues in Asia, as well as looking at and also trying to understand their impact on the wider world. So if you're interested in what we do, definitely go check us out on Facebook, Instagram and Spotify at UCL Affairs. Um, and so, yeah, so like I said earlier, um, we are currently on our part two of Three Hong Hong Kongs on a Sofa, and You, Me, We, and if you're new to this, and this is the first episode you've ever heard, um, basically to, to explain what we're doing is that this is actually a part of our, um, new online initiative, um, to kind of give a backstory. So it's, um, as it's kind of nearing the one year, um, mark for the start of the Hong Kong protests in 2019, we we, we decided to run a two-week online initiative, Hong Kong anti-extradition demonstrations, one year ago today um, to kind of raise awareness for the movement and also to debunk some of the myths regarding the movement's origins and also some of the elements of the movement. And so as part of the initiative, um, we've mainly been doing some social media features if you've been following with us and also some articles if you've read them. Um, We've also had a part one to this podcast episode. But essentially what we've done is that we've actually recently set up an online platform, submissions platform, which is completely anonymous um, for anyone to share something of interest or of relevance to the um, the initiative that we're currently doing. So it's very much been a place where people have been able to kind of share their thoughts and opinions of the movement, as well as like ask questions or share their confusions over aspects of the movement. So in today's episode, I've brought along again with uh, my co-host. Do you want to introduce yourself? To see you again so yeah um so this episode will be a follow-up from our previous one and we'll just be carrying on with um, the same structure we'll be reading through some more confessions and um, share, sharing with you a few um snippets of um the most the more recent submission that we received um so with the first confession this time last year i was probably preparing for my a-level examinations the memory remains freshly ingrained in my head and i remember it was the weekend before one of the math papers when the June 9th demonstrations took place. What had intended to be a weekend of intensive revising turned into evenings of anxiety and a significant reduction in productivity. Alongside my textbook, I would have have the live broadcast of the demonstrations up on my laptop. Needless to say, I was hardly focused on the maths at hand and became deeply obsessed with keeping in touch with the events in Hong Kong. In hindsight, the distraction was probably overwhelming as the June 9th demonstrations were overall peaceful. However, what struck me was the sheer number of people who took the streets and also the attention that the bill had gotten from the public. Even across the screen, I could feel the intensity of the public discontent and longed for a solution to the concerns. Concentrating on preparing for the exam was impossible, to say the least, and it was difficult to find consol- um, consolation for what were some unprecedented public sentiments um, in a A-level math textbook um okay <laughs> on the morning of the exam when everyone was lined up outside the exam hall testing each other on the odd suva equation and proofs by contradiction i can relate to that um there were a handful of hong kongers shouting across the corridor asking each other if we had seen the news did you did your family go have you seen the latest updates um do you think our plan to jam banks with synchronized cash withdrawals is going to work the emotions that i felt at the time were like any other a combination of worry for the safety of my family and also fears for the future of Hong Kong should the bill be passed. An entire uh, 12 months later, the same sentiment is felt now but over a different bill, um, the new security law. Um, though the strength of sentiments have intensified in its nature, changed.
1: I'm actually very lucky because I I did the HKDHC, the public exam of Hong Kong, instead of A-levels. So like uh, the political crisis actually Started after like if like I finished my exam, mm-hmm. so I didn't go through this like anxiety like during the exam, which I feel like would have like of course like significantly affected like your performance.
0: Mm. It's interesting. But you
1: did the A levels, right? So, yeah, like, I did, You must have read through that.
0: I did the A levels, and yeah, like the person said, anxiety—that for sure, anxiety. During the time, I remember, like the first time I really came across it was like I saw on faith on Instagram and Facebook, like of these. Um, so in my school, there weren't that that many of Hong am Hong Kong people at my school in my year group. Um, so. there there wasn't really that communal you know that that feeling of like oh someone else um is worried about the same concerns but you saw like um, acts of solidarity in other schools across the UK where where Hong Kong students they'll come together like do a flag do a plaque write something um and show their support for um the movement and I mean I can't say it affected my performance that much but for sure over the time it was difficult to concentrate and it was thinking about like home thinking about like oh what this could mean for me it was like um worries about um my family and kind of just confusions in general about about the bill and about what it was
1: okay so another one going to a university rally was unlike any of the public protests i had previously been to not only was the venue considerably different In that, unlike a traditional protest where there was a steady stream of mass movement, it was a collective of people on the Chinese University campus court and not a lot of room for movement. As drones hovered above our heads, some deployed by the organizers of the rally and some by the media, some possibly by the government institutions, Uh, we all stood there in silence as somewhere in the distance, Xi'an Union presidents gave individual. Speeches of motivation to the attendees of the rally. At the time, internal frustrations about the summer heat and tightness from walking up the hillside diffused and were replaced by a feeling of empowerment. Everyone that was in the situation together and pledged unity to the common purpose reminded me that I was not alone. I was actually at that rally as well. For me, it was very different, actually, Mm -hmm. because, like, I actually saw quite a lot of people I actually know there, unlike other, like, protests I've been to, where I just go with my, like, solid group of protest mates, and I just kind of stick to them, but, like, at that university rally, I actually saw a lot of people I knew, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a different, like, experience, because, like, like, the sense of community got like a lot stronger when you actually see people you used to know or like you already
0: knew. Mm. An avid follower of the Hong Kong protest schedule on social media and an avid protest-goer, checking and reaffirming protest details um, became the single most important thing you had to do before attending any protest during the movement's duration. Information published well in advance of the protests were likely to be wrong and were, were almost always subject to last-minute changes. Um, Almost confronted with contradictory information, often confronted with contradictory um, information, it became an adapted ritual when checking for social media updates and announcements. Um, Particular care was taken when affirming the demonstration venue, the start time, the attire, and slogans that were to be used as each demonstration varied in their features and purpose. It was asked by one of my close friends why it was that Hong Kong only scheduled public protests on the weekends (laughs) and never on weekdays. Well, to tell the truth, I know not how to respond to this except for the fact that Hong Kongers have exceptional work ethics and high degrees of professionalism. I think we actually mentioned this in our previous thing, in our previous episode. Um, But yeah, carrying on. Protests on the weekend were usually organised by the Civil Human Rights Rights Front and advocated as citizens all in response. Whereas other movements during the week involved um, specific social groups such as teacher strikes, student strikes and lunch hour strikes which called on white collar workers in Central which is our um, central business district, I think, CBD equivalent, Yeah, yeah. to protests during um, lunch breaks. Um, as summer wore on, protests on the weekend, business as usual on Monday mornings, became the new normal. It was like a mantra. The repeat of weekend protests and weekly pretense of political apathy were tiresome, but we carried on because we are participating as a collective, motivated by the same aims um about the um hong konger's protest schedule on social media and how like you have to check details about it um it was very much the case during that time where um there were two social media platforms that were used really a lot and became Mm. quite popular during the time and that was um telegram and also um um
1: lhk
0: is there a full name for that or no I don't think so L-I-H-K. well these two were like the main social media platforms that were used um for people to like discuss and also to coordinate responses and also just like it was, it was a, in a way it's kind of like a it's, i think i think people refer to refer to it as like the hong kong's version of reddit um but yeah we also mentioned this in um the our features article definitely go and and check out our article and understand a bit more about the um background to why Telegram, and um, LiHK became such popular um, platforms um, that were used during the time.
1: Hang on. Um, I remember a time when I was confronted with the dilemma of whether I should engage myself in a conversation with actually, a drunk hi, man. Hang on.
0: I want to go back to the previous one, actually. So, like, with the with these teacher strikes, student strikes, and lunch hour strikes, like, they were, they were very much, like, targeting, like, specific groups Yeah. of people, right?
1: But, like, Cause like, I remember being to like several one, like these like group specific rallies as well. Cause like, they have like core group of protesters with the stage, and then they kind of like invite like people to come on to the stage to speak. But then the people surrounding the stage were actually like people of like all different sorts sorts of walks of life. They actually. Uh, invite everyone to be there as well, because like, it's always good to be like showing support to like specific groups that were like particularly under pressure. Mm-hmm. So that's my impression of those sorts of protests.
0: I think there were also some um, lawyer strikes. Yeah,
1: uh, uh, it was like like before the main, um, like the before the first main like march. There was like this like legal community silent march. Which is like called upon whenever the uh, like rule of law situation in Hong Kong is under threat. So like there was one of it was like the biggest silent march of all time mm. after the Hanover. So there were actually quite a lot of like group specific protests, but I feel like like there were also other like supporters there as well. So yeah, it's kind of like goes back to like the community effort of just mm-hmm. like people supporting each other. Mm. Anyway, back to the confession that I was Sorry, sorry I in interrupted age.
0: you.
1: <laughs> I was that from the beginning again. I remember a time when I was confronted with the dilemma of whether I should engage myself in a conversation with a drunk man over <laughs> the then-current situation in Hong Kong.
0: Always a bad idea, drunk man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> this happened during the later months of summer, and I was out in Lan Kui Phong when it happened it was during those early hours of the, uh, the morning where, exhausted, you and some friends stood on the sidewalk, contemplating whether you should go grab breakfast, breakfast or head A <laughs> man, evidently drunk, came up behind us and asked where we were from. All of us, apart from one, said we were from Hong Kong. While the individual, pa- individ- individual patiently explained that, he was from Hong Kong but held a foreign passport. The man remarked that it was cool that he had a foreign passport, much better than having a Hong Kong one and being stuck here with all the protests. He further asked if they were even safe to go to, to which my friend, having never been to a protest himself and only viewed what was shown on TV, explained poorly that they were not safe, extremely violent and dangerous. In my opinion, having been to a couple over the holidays, provided you stay with the crowd and left the crowd when uh, left when the crowd dispersed, they were relatively safe. But by nature, I did not take this remark so well and snapped one jokingly. He asked, Why none of us were seen going to the protest? It's three AM. No one is going to a protest at this ungodly hour and practically all the people here. You are best to as you even have on The Black shirt, I was infuriated by his tone and his somewhat dismissive attitude uh, towards the movement as child's play, something you could openly mock and make fun of. For an issue that is so central to Hong Kongers daily lives, to be spoken of lightly and perceived as some sort of game by a mere tourist in the city was frankly disrespectful and rude. Even friends that I knew that were in Hong Kong on their graduation trip have come into close encounters with tear gas and felt unsettled by the experience. But of our time since the start of the demonstrations in Hong Kong, even from an observer's point of view, it felt wrong to make fun of what is considered by some people protection of their personal liberties and standing up to social injustice. Mm. It's actually kind of funny because, like, um, like after I came to London for uni, I actually, like this friend of mine actually said he was like uh, in Hong Kong when the protest first started, and then he actually didn't realize that was happening until the day before he was about to leave. Mm. So I guess it's actually quite different for like tourists because, like, maybe that's because like for this drunk man, it was uh in the later months of the protest so maybe he was aware of the movement then mm, but then um, yeah. for my friend he was unaware of the time so that's like kind of interesting
0: actually like told my friends like i had a um i have a friend who recently told me, told me this but um she'd actually been she was in hong kong i think like early may so quite early on in the summer so during the, uh, the very beginnings um but she was um like walking around the central area so that's like by central isc um these might be names that are like completely unfamiliar with you but like just think about it as like city center um she was like there and on one side she saw these um protesters kind of um like dressed in their attire and also you know um kind of like um i want to say acting up but that's not really the right word it's just acting differently because because of the different social because of the difference in atmosphere and yet on the very like other side like literally like just across the road there was these like these bunch of like expats uh or like um i think tourists yeah so people were just like chilling um like sitting around hanging around like having drinks chatting like having fun and for her to like be standing there like in the middle like looking at these two different you know like social circles kind of thing people like interacting differently and like Um, they were behaving in different ways obviously with different you know concerns in their mind like that contrast I think for her like was really much it was what was really evident was like the indifference um, that's some people kind of had um, in regards to the movement whilst it was happening. Actually
1: now like when you talk about this I remember like going back to the same like like central the area where like the protest kind of like concentrates like the morning after a Friday night protest. I was at, at like a bank sorting out some stuff. And then when I was heading towards the bank, I heard some like I Chinese tourists like like exclaiming, just like shouting, This is the Hong Kong I'm familiar with? Just like high rise buildings, like all calm, like fancy shops, like in this like like glamorous, like central business district. Then to me like like just been to like a protest the night before it was actually like it just made me like wonder like what actually just it's just like shocking how like it just changed so quickly but it's also how like uh how this like business district became like a focal point of like the protest
0: i mean it's interesting how um you know focal points even like have, um, even like become to be like you and get creative.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: And it's interesting how it's interesting. It's also very very interesting looking at where the media focuses everything.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. I feel like personal experiences tell a lot more. Like sure, they're like tainted with like personal sentiments and personal attitudes. Um. But simultaneously, it offers a nice. It offers a really exclusive and rare insight into certain um ish um, certain aspect. Um. So for the next one, so words can't. Cannot explain fully my surprise when I first received demonstration propaganda airdropped into my phone. As a user of Bluetooth headphones, the Bluetooth function on my phone is almost always switched on, but I had never expected it to be used as a means of propaganda distribution. It would show up as someone wants to share an album of photos with you. Multiple times I stood still, startled, and began vigorously surveying the people around me in an attempt to seek out the mysterious sender. When I realised that my efforts were worthless, I tried to act normal and contemplate whether I should accept or reject the photos. In my opinion, it's no different from sexting. It's, about, it's not about whether you are actually distributing the image by just being in possession of them. You're already committing a crime. Even though they were just images of posters and flies, I felt wrong to accept them.
1: True. I was, like, never the person to be sending out those, like, pictures, but, like, I actually clicked, like, accept, like, on multiple occasions, and they, they actually included some very useful information to, mm-hmm. like, protesters and, like, the general public in general. So maybe that's why some people just keep doing that same thing, even though to some people that might be, like, a nuisance or, like, just kind of annoying to be just getting, like, random airdrop notification when you're mm-hmm. on the train. hmm
0: I think sexting was a very weird comparison to make, but um, yeah. But I mean, no comment on that. And But I'll make a factual point about propaganda distribution in that um, during the course of the movement, I think, yeah, so like the person said, like, airdropping, like, airdrops and that function was used a lot for propaganda distribution. But to say it's propaganda is a bit extreme because they were sometimes just, like, flyers of, like, so just some pictures, um, like, a recount of what happened. And yeah. some of them were, like, information about the next rally or, like, the next yeah. march. Um, about like what you know the bill that actually passed that morning or like what the government had said and like just bursting out in really basic points so that it reached everyone so that people knew what was going on in a way it was like a form of media itself it just communicated a message yeah. um communicated like just information
1: so I guess it's not something that would happen under like ordinary circumstances it's not like like walking around like in London you'd be like mm-hmm. getting this sort of like notifications no but that's actually so giving maybe, me an
0: idea that's giving me an idea like maybe for september for freshness fair like you don't need to spend money um printing out flyers just like start just like tell everyone around the table to like, put on your bluetooth and just go and just send off your, like your entire like product collateral or something it's a really cost-effective okay, method okay, quite creative actually don't copy
1: our idea okay just don't like this case from this podcast (laughs) don't couple us okay (laughs) okay oh this one is actually mine like this confession coming up is actually mine Mm -hmm. i so clearly remember arguing with my my family at home every day about the extradition bill crisis last summer even till now when i talk to them over the phone we would still sometimes have the same argument when either of us touch upon the subject it has definitely put some train on our relationship and has made home a much less supportive environment, especially when the protest is one of the biggest causes that I stand for. My parents are in their late fifties and early sixties. They grew up and advanced their careers during the golden decades of Hong Kong. And many people their age, politics were never their priorities life was good back then. I think this life experience continues to contribute to their apolit. Oh god, I don't know how to pronounce this word. Where is it? Uh, apolitical.
0: Apolitical or politically a-political. neutral, as they like to say.
1: Yeah. 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 Or, they, or so they claim to be, yeah. As it became clearer that they were, in fact, pro government at heart, but just pretends to be apolitical. I still remember arguments over which new cha- news channel to watch on TV, with me saying their preferred channel, TVB, is heavily biased uh, in favour of the government and them saying why does it matter in a mocking tone. I somehow got them to compromise and start following news on now TV instead, a network that I believe is more neutral, but they of course have gone back to their old habits when I came to London from uni. <laughs> I'm grateful that they never physically stopped me from going to the protests. This is not to say they have tr- not tried to convince me otherwise. On 12 of June, the day where intense confrontation between the police and protesters took place, my mother tried to convince me to stay home by bringing my late grandma, saying, what would she think of you when she is- if she is still alive? These words have stuck with me ever since. This sense of frustration and disappointment at home was a big contrast to the environment at work. I, at the time, was working at my mother's business friend's company. After the day of uh, the first protest, uh, 9th of June, me, an extremely weak person who never exercised <laughs> unsurprisingly, got heat stroke, heat stroke after the march from Cosway Bay to the government headquarters that took a full day. Both my supervisor and my boss were very supportive allowing me to stay home to rest for the next few days and that you are doing what has to be done. The topic of conversations at the workplace quickly changed from trivial stuff like what drama series people were watching during lunch to how ridiculous the government and the police were being in the first few weeks of the movement. Other than my peers, my job that I initially uh, dreaded became a very important support system that helped me through the turbulent times everyone was going through. Looking back, it was an extremely rough summer. The inevitable doom of the result release date was coming up, and with the stress of working Mondays to Fridays and protesting on the weekends without any time to rest, as well as being reminded every day that the city that I was once proud of was in fact a big fat lie, I honestly have no idea how I managed. But that was only the beginning of more and more troubles and absurdity that every Hong Konger, whether overseas like me or those who remain in the city, still have to live with every single day. Uh, I feel like this took on quite like a, a dark tone compared to other like confessions, but like the protest, like taking a toll on like relationship is definitely like a common theme like for the past year because like i've actually had like quite a few people like getting divorced over like different political views but like i feel like um my family is like actually like already really supportive because like even though we don't have the same political view we agree to disagree even though we might have like uh arguments sometimes but like for some rather uh, unlucky like protesters like some family actually like just like cut them off completely or just like even like kick them out of like uh the doors like just disowning them which is like rare case cases but it goes to show how like polit- political views how important they can be to some people
0: mm-hmm. i think that's a very that's a valid point like political views taking um has taken up a very big aspect of people's conversations nowadays in Hong Kong Um, and it's to a point where it's kind of in like social impacts it's definitely like impacted a lot of people in terms of like their mental health Um, it's been it's made um, family environments really toxic it's meant meant that friendships have um, fallen out Um, and some people are finding it difficult to have like their own support system um, because of it as well in a way, like the, with the movement, we we've, we've mentioned this briefly, like a few times. I think it's just like the idea that the movement touched a lot of people, um, on all levels, yeah. and like you said, like political opinions, obviously, for some people differed and amounted a lot. But also, I think one point that we need to like get across that, people's experiences during the time were very different. What you hear from one person's yeah. conversion, like, like you've heard already, like in today's episode and also the one from last time, um, people's experience of it have been so varied and diverse people all have a very different take on it. People all have very different opinions on it. I think the one thing that we can do as individuals, like we've been trying very much to do during this, um, these two episodes of podcasts is just to respect people's opinions and respect people's experiences and just accept that people have had these, like, rhetorics and have felt in these certain ways. But at the same time, like, being from Hong Kong, being there at that time and experiencing all these things, like, um, definitely I can empathise because um, these are things that are very much... Um, real and raw and yeah. numbing emotions frankly yeah yeah um and we're you know we're we apologize for endings are just um a bit of a um saddening, saddening note it shouldn't be um <laughs> but um yeah so that's um been all that that's in all the confessions that we've had time for um we you know we've tried our very best and trying to like um deliver on them and like distribute them in the best way possible um but yeah just before we properly end just wanted to quickly explain and remind everyone of what is um what narratives of asia really is so narratives of asia is this new branch of Asiatic affairs which kind of takes the form of a podcast channel we drop episodes regularly, or we, as we are able to, um, where we host either one-to-one discussions or group discussions over a particular current issue or trending topic of choice. And this could be an issue where um, one of our writers are currently working on um, an idea pitched by one of our listeners, or alternatively, like a bit like what we're doing now at this kind of uh, two-week initiative. Um so if you if you've liked what you've heard and you want to be featured on our channel for like, a different episode um, or you know start your own project or get involved in something, um, definitely drop us a line via any of our social media platforms. Um, it could be Instagram, Facebook, or email us directly at UCL at gmail.com um finally thank you everyone for staying with us um we realized that this episode has actually run over a little bit a bit longer than we intended it to be um but definitely stay tuned for more episodes in the future um this has been three hong kongers on a sofa you me we we are Asiatic affairs and this is narratives of asia